all this time, Porter, everything you've done, everything you've said, I've heard all about. So you've made some remarks in the past about when is Papa Fritz going to be here. Papa Fritz is here. wrestling i'm pete and i'm with kelly and johnny kelly how you doing oh i've had this cold for about a month now but i'm still alive that's good good to hear it uh, that you're still fighting it fighting a good fight um, <laughs> honey how you doing well i've been you know having the terrible gastrointestinal pains for the last week too trying to one-up kelly over here but <laughs> yeah i think we, you got the walking wounded wow that's that's impressive that's impressive, but hey, let's get right into it, folks. We open up with a Iceman King Parsons, Kelly's favorite wrestler, Johnny Mantell, Woo. versus Buddy Roberts, and Mantell and Roberts obviously went to the same tailor, and the Mongol. Woo. Kelly, man, tell us about this match. <laughs> My first note is this, like, this is like a battle bowl uh, <laughs> combination of <laughs> teams like, why are Iceman and Mantell teaming? But a, a more interesting question is, why is Buddy Roberts teaming with the Mongol? <laughs> Apparently, there's smoke-filled backrooms negotiations, according to Bill Murphy. <laughs> Just totally random. But actually, this was, was not a bad match. Um, this was my favorite Johnny Mantell match by far. Um he, he looks, I don't know if it's because he's not yeah, wearing I was gonna his say, I didn't like Johnny Mantel in this match. I was going to say, you biased fuck. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think yeah. dropping the singlet helped for some reason. He didn't drop it far down. His trunks literally go up to his tits. There's, <laughs> yeah. They are the Still. longest red, white, and blue trunks I've ever well, seen. Well, maybe he's just a little embarrassed, okay? No. Maybe he's body, <laughs> his body, his body yeah, who am I? Who am I? I'm body shaming Johnny Mantel. <laughs> No, he was he was he was perfectly fine this match. Um, this this I mean I love the beginning, with the fiery start for the good guys throwing drop kicks all over the place, clearing the ring. Um, Iceman got an extended shine. The crowd is just uh, totally into this too. Uh, which you know when you have the Mongol and you know it's going to be tougher maybe to get the crowd into it. But it's Iceman so hot. Roberts is a hot heel, of course. Mantel's loved by the fans in Dallas. There's no doubt about that. Um, this one went on for quite a while, too. Uh, lots of back and forth. And then, you know, just as I wrote uh, that, oh, this is a pretty action-packed match, the Mongol pins Mantel with a running power slam out of nowhere. And I, like, I knew Mantel was going to be the one to take the pin in this, but still, oh, the Mongol has to get the... And, uh, well, he is the TV champion um, in, in Fort Worth. And anyway, uh, yeah, other than the finish being not really what I was into, I thought this was a pretty good match. Yeah, I'm with you. I gave it three stars. And Ooh. Parsons and Buddy 
were working so fucking stiff in this match. Uh-huh. They were beating the piss out of one another. I oh, yes. could not believe how hard they were that hitting. That one chop, there, there was one chop in particular that uh, uh, Iceman chopped Buddy with that... Yeah. You know the one I'm talking about. I had my earbuds in, and I'm in, I was just looking at my phone in the garage. I, I'm smoking a cigarette, and I hear flap, and I'm like, "Fuck me!" He yeah, knocked the shit out of him. Oh, yeah, crazy. This got personal quick. It was brutal. Um, I thought Buddy made Ice look like a million bucks. I thought Mantel uh, shocked me with what he was able to get out of the Mongol in this match. The crowd is totally into it, and it was just fun, man. It was a really fun match. Uh, and the finish didn't really totally bother me because, uh, you know, in the pecking order, Mantel is a low man. It should be like I can understand having a really competitive match, but when a coach comes to shove, I can understand the Mongol going over with his finish. So uh, I, I I like this, but, my God, Ice and Buddy raise to the notch, and it just really gets you stoked for what, you know, mm-hmm what possibly could happen in this hair match. Cause you know what? That's a personal feud and they worked it as personal as you could possibly get here without like, you know, breaking into a fist fight. Uh, what do you think, Johnny? <laughs> well, they had to because they're carrying around two fucking loads with them in this fucking match that I don't give a fuck about. And, uh, every time, and, and every time in the ring, it was just man telling the Mongol. I checked out. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. And, Oh, you uh, lost. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, overall, the presentation, I was like, it's the buddy Iceman stuff that I was super into, smacking the shit out of each other. Because um, it, it, it's all about the hair matching. It's like, it, it's like, well, why are they teaming? And Bill, to his credit, is like, maybe there's some weird deal going on between the two evil factions. I was like, that's not bad speculation. I like that. And as far as the two good guys teaming up, well, that happens all the time. You know, that's that's nothing new. And when they're talking, but what it really is, is they, they Fritz keeps having to put these guys on TV in various permeations uh, until they get to the big match. So, well, we need another, we need to put them in a tag team match before we get to the hair match. Mongol and Mantel, just do that, you know. And Buddy Roberts is so goddamn good as a, a general he he was coaching the Mongol through that whole fucking match completely, you know, which is why I, I was like, this might be the best Mongol match yet. That's not saying much. He's the fucking Mongol, but it's definitely the best because of the people he's surrounded by. Yeah, man tells a fine, solid hand or anything, but he just bores the fuck out of me. And But Bill's talking about... Uh, I, I appreciate Bill trying not to be racist here. Because they're talking about he's talking about uh, the haircut match or, or the hair cream match, <laughs> and, and he, he says, uh, "Well, the, the hair will be the hair that will disappear will either be the golden locks or Iceman's <laughs> personalized locks." <laughs> I'm like, oh, "Okay, it took him a minute." Personalized. I'm like, "Okay, no, no, no." It took him a minute. He, he got there. And then his call at the end when the Mongol wins is he says, the Mongol wins it for Buddy Roberts and the Mongol. <laughs> That's good. But okay. for himself. That's good. But now, uh, there was more good in this than bad. It's just, I, I just really hate the Mongol. 
Yeah, I mean, I understand that. I mean, I like Mattel, but could you guys could you guys believe how close his tights were being identical to Buddy's? In height, in height, because he had uh, Mantel had red, white, and blue ones on. Right, and Buddy had white and blue with a star oh, okay. on it. Like okay. Mantel, oh yeah, I he guess they one yeah. color off. Being I, see, I see. Yeah. Jeez, but, but Vince McMahon would hate that. No, no he would hate but, a lot of this stuff. Yeah. But, <laughs> but Mantel's were up to his titties, so I didn't really <laughs> notice uh, the similarities. All right, Kamala versus. This is Mike Reed. Job, yes. Kelly, what, what's going on on the squash? <laughs> That's all I wrote, man. Squash. <laughs> yeah, squash. I'm, I always mark out for a, a Kamala belly slap or two, so oh, yeah. we got it. And it, it's kind of neat how he does this splash where he doesn't get height on it. He's yeah. going for more uh, weight. Distance. It distance. <laughs> He's going for distance. He just falls on him. <laughs> But it's super safe. Like you can tell, he's very concerned with. Oh yeah, protecting his uh, opponent. He's he's not gonna. Yeah, it's it's a super safe splash. But yeah, distance. Johnny, anything you want to mention? Well, uh, okay, yeah, because uh, after the previous match was over, um, Bill Mercer's call leading into the Kamala match. He goes next, the hated Kamala. I'm like, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't true. get any sense of hatred coming from the crowd for Kamala. There's awe yeah. and ooh, but he hasn't done anything hateful yet, and I don't think he's hated. So that, that was oh. odd. And and he gets this line. Well, he's a heel. I mean, that's his job is trying to get him over as a heel. The, I, he, he's not. He's, he's not even said the hated Freebirds who are. Well, hated. yeah, but he's booked with. He's booked with with Skandar. Akbar, he's so I mean, managed by the hated Skandor Akbar, who's not even. I mean, hated. his job is to get Kamala over as a heel, Johnny. Hated. No. I think you're being way too no. hard here. No, he's not. Yes, hated. sir. The crowd doesn't. Kelly, hate you him. want to be a tiebreaker on this? Do you think? Oh, yeah, the crowd I, I, doesn't I hate him here. yet. The crowd doesn't hate him yet. Yeah, and Kamala would never be a hated heel. He'd he'd feared because he, yeah, feared, and he always had the thing with Kimchi where you felt bad for him because Kimchi was abusing him. And you'd always knew that eventually, like, a, a babyface turn would be perfect, because he would finally liberals. All right. turn yeah, on liberals. his oppressors. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Ebony versus Rodden. <laughs> there we go. What a segue. Let's move on, Let's move on from Kamala to Mr. Ebony. <laughs> We're getting into some real... Let's get into some real serious discussions about race now. Oh, boy. Uh, Ebony. <laughs> Who is he? Uh, yeah, well, so I was watching this, and then, of course, you get the screenshot. Next, Devastation Incorporated introduces Mr. Ebony. And that just, for me, that just came out of nowhere. I know. I had no clue that Mr. Ebony was about to join um, our cast of characters in Dallas. Um, wow. So, yes, Mr. Ebony, a.k.a. Tom Jones. Yep. Yep. I had to look um, it up too. I normally normally I go, I want Kelly to tell me who this is. <laughs> but I had to know. And had. then yeah, I had to know. And then I go, I don't think I've ever heard of him. So <laughs> Well, you have, because we watched him in Houston. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. Okay. I, yeah. I barely remember that. So of course as Mr. Ebony, he's decked out head to toe in red. Nice. He's fast. Um, with guns. Like, he had some he's, he's, yeah, he, he's massive. He's got like a, the best. 
It's got like a Lone Ranger style band mask thing on top of his mask. Well, yeah. I guess it's part of the mask. But yeah, it looks like look. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting look. He's got um, he's got and he's got red singlet tights, but he's wearing yeah. pants. But the yeah. bright red pants with bell bottoms. Bell bottoms. Now, massive bell bottoms. Massive bell bottoms. And it says Mr. Ebony on the sides in white. And then, but you look, these are pants. They've got belt loops, which leads me to believe Tom Jones owned those as part of a suit that he had for the 70s. <laughs> there is a jacket and a vest that goes with those pants. And when he was coming up with his Mr. Ebony character, he took those out of retirement and made them into and put Mr. Ebony on the sides, and they look fucking dope. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Mr. Ebony right now. Yeah, it's an interesting costume. Um, if you didn't know if Mr. Ebony was paired with Scandard, would you think he was a heel when you see him with Rotten Star? I would. I know. I would think he's a babyface. But I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, and it's not. It's not those guys' fault because Ebony worked as a heel, and Rotten Star definitely worked as a babyface. Right. Oh, oh, right, but. <laughs> But you're right. But yeah, I, I never would have guessed it in a million years on yeah. paper. Oh, no, no. If you just saw the picture before the match, I'd go, oh, the, the Mr. Ebony's the good guy. <laughs> yeah. Match there, Kel. Well, it's an interesting match because Ron Starr comes out of nowhere as well. Um, and it looks like this is like his only. He wrestled a few matches in uh, Fort Worth for their TV, but this was his only match at the Sportatorium hmm. until 1989. So we're not going to see Star again. And Star was a, you know, good worker. Good worker in the late '70s. He was a big uh, babyface star in San Francisco as a junior heavyweight. I think he even won the Cow Palace Battle Royal one year. Wow. He was pushed super hard. I don't know if you guys uh, ever read about this. Star passed away two years ago, and Meltzer did a big bio. And Meltzer wrote about how when he was in San Francisco, he had a falling out, as a lot of wrestlers did, with Roy Shire. And, but Starr took it so far, he actually sued Shire for, uh, like, costing him a living, right, by, by booking him uh, to lose. So he went public with wrestling being a work, Ooh. when, of course, you weren't supposed to do that. So that ended up... Uh, turning a lot of people against Ron Starr from that, uh, that he actually went that far to make it public with Shire. And after that, he was sort of a journeyman who was often a heel. Um, he, even here, he looks like a heel. He's got like a kind of a snarly expression on his face. Um, I first encountered him when I first started watching wrestling. In 1986, he was there in Calgary. Yeah, he spent uh, a lot of time in Canada. Yeah, as rotten Ron Starr. Um mm -hmm. Teamed up with the Honky Tonk Man, Honky Tonk Wayne. They were a tag team. Actually, I think they were called Devastation Incorporated, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> to tie this all together in a weird good way. good matches, I know, in Portland when he uh, teamed with Adrian Adonis against Buddy Rose and Partners. Right, yeah, that was basically at the same time he was doing his babyface run in San Francisco, Damn late friend, 70s. Man. So, and then so, he had a long run in Puerto Rico yeah. uh, as a heel. Okay, so basically... The farther north you, after you know, going, oh, you reveal the business, blah 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 blah. You're blackballed, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Where you can have success is the farthest north, where they yeah. don't give a shit because that yeah. in different newspapers and what have you, and they don't yeah. care. They don't have the, the the alliances or Puerto Rico where they don't give a shit either. 
Yeah, yeah he, also had, he also did some tours of Japan and stuff, oh, too. Oh, Japan. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's true. He was kind of he uh, on the fringes for the for the rest. Yeah, of I want to be, and I think he might have worked some Southwest. That's probably why maybe he was working Southwest, and maybe he you know uh, uh, ended that alliance and worked a couple shots for WCW on the I mean World Class on the way out. Yeah, maybe. Um, and Mr. Ebony, Wait, hold on. He, so when, when you said WCW, I went. Oh, Eric Bischoff might have hired him. I saw everybody else on that fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they had three hours of time. To fill. Um, Mr. Ebony's career stretches back to 1964, 65, um, all over the South as Tom Jones, and this was actually his first match as Mr. Ebony, and he would work this gimmick for three or four years. Um, and another interesting note is these men both died within a couple months of each other yeah. in 2017. Yeah. yeah. Just a few months apart. Um, so yeah, as for the match, uh, there's not much. Ebony tries to do the Ken Patera swinging full Nelson, but can't quite pull it off. But I mean, few could do it as well as it Ken good Patera. Enough. It was good enough. It was like one rotation, maybe. <laughs> That's hard, though. I mean, Patera was legit one of the strongest men in the world. Um, and that was his finish. It was a squash. Stargate's totally squashed here. Um, so this is interesting. Fire up spots and stuff. Yeah, very little offense, really, though, for somebody that was more than just a job guy. But, uh, yeah, this was one of those things that I love this footage because you just never know what you're going to get. Um, you know, the big picture stuff, but there's so many little surprises that come out of nowhere, and this was definitely one of them. What do you think of the match, John? Uh, the match was what it was. I just, I'm in love with Mr. Evity. Because <laughs> when I first saw, <laughs> yeah, when I first saw that Mr. Ebony is coming, I immediately was going to go off on about like, oh, okay, what kind of racist bullshit is this? And I see Mr. Ebony, and he looks cool as fuck. And I'm like, nope. I don't find anything racist about this at all. Definitely has a shaft feel to it. Yeah, man, he looks like a badass motherfucker, and I and I dig. I like his mask. I like his bell bottoms. I like his look. He goes in. He beats the shit out of this guy. Dug it. Uh, and he's of course he's a heel, but then again, like I think he's fucking cool. Yeah, exactly. And uh, shaft. Oh yeah! <laughs> hey, he's just Mr. Ebony. Mr. Ebony could have been the name of a black exploitation. <laughs> oh, no, totally. No, or or it's a Shaft sequel where the villain that he's got to take down is <laughs> Mr. Ebony. You know, he's gonna be on season eight of Luke Cage. Yeah, 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 exactly. When they're running out of shit, um, uh, but Mercer gets off the line. He goes, "He looks like he's chipped out of black marble." Like, Fuck <laughs> you. Fuck you. Okay, I just gave him a break on the not being racist before, but black mar you can't it marbles mar the uh, boy. And but then he also he, he goes, he has the strength of a Kodiak bear. I'm like, okay, you saved it a little. Saved it a little. And then during the promo afterwards, all I'm looking, I'm not listening to Akbar or anything else that's going on. I'm watching Mr. Ebony. Because Mr. Ebony is got my attention and he's not talking. And Mr. Ebony repeats the same th three or four things as his pose, and I love it. He first a cup, uh, gets his fingers together and does some isometrics. <laughs> Just does a few isometrics. Then he takes his arm out, and he flexes his big fucking muscle. 
and then he bounces his pecs like Hogan used to do, and bounces his pecs. He does this routine twice, exactly, throughout this, this whole promo, and... I don't know what was being said. I was watching Mr. Fucking Ebony because I thought he was fucking cool. So. That was two of us. He caught my attention, too. Yeah. What about you, Kelly? Listen to the promo, or are you just saying Amber? Yeah, no, no. There's, I, I, there's definite promise here. Uh, I'm interested because I know nothing. I've never heard of this guy before, ever. And he's part of Devastation Incorporated. So I'm interested to see where this goes in the coming months because he's around for a while. Yeah. Cool. Usually when these guys pop in like this, it's not good. It's fun to see a, a surprise like this. Yeah. yeah. Kerry Von Eric video, clearly uh, the original <laughs> one was Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, Eye of the Tiger. Uh, they went yes. to this version of, of uh, Chief WWE Music, music number 24. Uh, <laughs> this one didn't work. Yeah. But... But here's the thing. <laughs> and they've also done this music video to Holding Out for a Hero for him, too. Um, With the tiger? But, no, this, this yeah, the video. They played it later on in the years as uh, Holding Out for a Hero. Well, that's funny because they actually use a tiger imagery in this, and they just got to just use it for that one, too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, I'm just telling you, they've done it with Holding Out for a Hero, too. Well, my favorite thing, though, is Bill Mercer's intro to this very strange video. He says, <clears throat> in combat or in athletics, preparation for the event demands concentration and dedication, both mental and physical. The man stalks his prey like the tiger. And then, <laughs> no, number one, that doesn't make any sense. Um, number two, no eye of the tiger next. Then it's like, dink, Ding, 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 this MIDI thing. I mean, this is, like, real bad. And it's Carrie Von Eric riding <laughs> a fucking horse with no saddle, uh, no shoes, no shirt, just little blousy, tiny, green <laughs> gym shorts like he's the Beastmaster, Mark Singer. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious oh, those and, shorts though they were the norm for back then too. i remember them I, I i never wore anything like that i couldn't but i remember those existing but then they eventually get to this great shot as it's him, him wrestling and shit and him riding his horse through the the plains of the uh the, the apocalypse looking for tanya roberts or some shit and <laughs> then and, and in pure beastmaster mode there's a still shot of carrie's horse face that does a slow fade into a tiger. <laughs> and then they rerun this and do it twice. So you really get the effect. And it's so funny to watch without eye of the tiger. Because <laughs> everything. Now, about here's the big, here's the million dollar question, Johnny. If this was Johnny Sorrow's place in Philly at the time, would your mom look up, would your mom look up from her crochet and, They'll check Carrie out. Check Carrie out? Um, no, I don't think so. No, 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 no. no. My mom, no, she wouldn't. Only a Magnum TA lady? Magnum TA. Just for Bruno. Well, Bruno, well, Bruno, no, Bruno was a father figure to her. She was a childhood <laughs> hero. You know, she, she had a childhood connection with Bruno. You're right. I, I was about to say, she was a Magnum TA what lady. <laughs> yeah. not, not this not this what's he doing riding around on a horse in his stupid fucking frilly pants she wants to see magnum ta on a harley with his mustache 
Yeah, that's what, that's what my, my that's what turned on my mommy. <laughs> awesome, Kelly. What do you think of this thing? Oh yeah, well, I've seen it with uh, the actual Eye of the Tiger version. That of course makes it awesome. This the network. We've gone on and on about the network dub jobs, and they're just atrocious. Hey, well, this is at Survivor's least, at least, fault. At least we get the, at least we get the original theme music to the world class shows here, though. Oh yeah, thank God. But still, um, we're missing out. How many musical entrances have we missed? Who knows? I don't even want to think about Zillion. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at I least just, they're uh, not dubbing the entrances. I don't miss them because the entrances aren't dubbed. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. You watch that ECW stuff where they dub the entrances, and that's <laughs> tough to watch because then yeah. a lot of the bell-to-bell stuff doesn't hold up. <laughs> no. Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, those WWE Network dub jobs really do fucking suck. But what doesn't really fucking suck is the Pro Wrestling Only podcast feed, baby. Check out my man Peter on Greetings from Allentown as he looks at the UWF from January 17th, 1987. On This Week in Wrestling, Pete and Timothy are looking at a whole bunch of things as usual. They're looking at NXT UK, regular NXT, reviewing the SCI Rumble. Looking at Stokely Hathaway going to the WWE, talking about Nova Pro closing shop, and also about Pete going to the big New Japan G1 show in Dallas this summer. And as always, check out all the other shows in the Pro Wrestling Only feed. A lot of them are weekly, like the Military Industrial Suplex with Tom Batista, Shimmer Her Story, looking at the, the history of Shimmer Wrestling with Stephen Graham and Stacey O'Loughlin. Strong Style Story, they just hit episode 50 a few weeks ago. That's all about New Japan Wrestling. Great stuff there. And also, Through the Years, the ROH Retrospective Podcast. And, of course, check out ProWrestlingOnly.com. This is where it all started with the message board. It's still going strong, but you also have the main site that features the podcast, but also features some cool written pieces like Walking in Memphis by Liam Byrne, a history of Memphis wrestling. It's really great stuff. Check that out. And now it's time for the main event. And we're back. Terry Gordy versus Kerry Von Erich, Brass Knucks champion. Nice. Fuck that belt's awesome. It's the belt. Okay. We've talked about all these types of championships that don't have belts. And we've heard about a lot of Brass Knuckles championships. In fact, we've heard about Jose having it mm-hmm. here. There's now a Brass Knuckles belt. And Terry Bam Bam Gordy is wearing it. And it is gray plating and gray plating on the side. And just a simple, like, gray plating. It's like a piece of lead. Yeah. It just says Brass Knuckles champion. And imprinted in it but just coming out just a little it, it's like it looks like someone took a pair of brass knuckles and put them in concrete and painted over them but they're still yeah, yeah. They yeah like they're melted imp- them into the melted belt. them in- yeah exactly yeah that, welded that, it into welded. The exactly. yeah that's much better someone took a pair of brass knuckles welded it onto a belt and then painted it, it yeah. it's awesome yeah. It, it's now I've never seen it before. It's now in my top five. I do make lists. Top five <laughs> favorite belts. Belts yeah, I can I do. Belts I can amazing. do. Belts I can do. Lists of belts I can do. It's purely aesthetic. I I love this. It's it, I, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Tell you how about the match, brother? 
Well, let me talk about the belt a little bit. Okay, sorry. <laughs> we only caught like a like a little glimpse of Just it a too. Glimpse. Yeah, yeah. Like the camera doesn't even focus on it. They don't even make a big deal of it. Um, but yeah, so... I, no, no. I freeze framed it and jerked off. <laughs> there you go, folks. That sounds about right. Right for you, man. It's uh, yeah. That's, that sounds that's Patreon right there. Sounds about right. Um, <laughs> for the man who also pledged himself to Alley Cat Dabra from. Uh, Captain Garrett's damn right I did. So Johnny, Johnny likes to experiment with these sort of things. No regrets. I have no regrets. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and uh, and we haven't seen or we haven't heard of the Brass Knucks title being defended in quite a while. Remember? Yeah, you, Johnny mentioned uh, Jose had it. It went on to Bugsy. Bugsy beat Jose. Kabuki beat Bugsy, and then Gordy defeated Kabuki March 25th, 83 for it. So that's how Gordy ended up in possession of it. And Gordy's actually a triple champion now. He has the six-man belts, he has the American tag, and he has the brass knucks. So not too bad for Bam Bam in 83, collecting the belts. Nice. Um, you, think, you, think, you think he was like... Was there a belt for this title? No. <laughs> I'm going to make me a belt for this title, Michael. Let's get down to the Home Depot. <laughs> yeah, they, they did it right after they trolled the bars. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning. At this... They're all fucked up. We need a belt, Michael. Let's go make a belt. <laughs> well, I, I hope that's what happened. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's an awesome belt. Um, so cool. And perfect for, for Gordy to be the Brass Knucks champion, too. Yep. Um, tough guy like him. So, yeah, this was a, this was a pretty good match. Uh, rough physical encounter befitting a Brass Knucks, you know, no disqualification match. Um, uh, there was a huge dropkick square in the face by Kerry on Gordy. That's how he gained control, finally. Uh, puts on the claw. But then we get uh, a schmuzz, basically. Hayes interferes. Punches carry. Uh, Kevin's also at ringside. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, in, actually, yeah. Uh, Kevin's in Carrie's corner, and, and Michael Hayes is in uh, Terry's corner for this whole match. And uh, Kevin's wearing cutoffs. That would yes. make a 16-year-old girl blush. Uh, <laughs> Kevin yeah. Von Eric in a fashion watch, in effect again, choices. Super tight Daisy Duke cut-off short, jean shorts with a white polo tucked in. <laughs> yes, he always makes sure everything's tucked in. Tucked in because uh, like, he's showing that cock and ass. Yes. Um, so the infer- interference by Hayes eventually leads to Carrie being pinned. Uh, so, yeah, the, the birds get another one on the on the Von Erichs here. Uh, just, you know, another... Uh, match to stir the feud up um kind of random out of nowhere in a way with the brass ducks title and and that but uh hey i'm not complaining it was it was fun yeah it's to me it just adds another feather in the violence of the feud and yeah you know, probably carried i mean gordy's like oh great i get to work uh someone not named kevin so i won't yeah. get stiff the fuck out oh wait sorry you're working a brass ducks program um <laughs> This was pretty fucking violent. Um, I mean, this is. I also love the also that they each had a taped fist to it too, which made it right. you know, add an aspect. Um, 
I love the big bombs to start the match. Gordy misses a knee drop, and I love the fact that Carrie goes, okay, and punches him right in the fucking knee. Um, Gordy's bleeding. Oh, Gordy yeah, yeah. throws a wicked, wicked punch. Um, and Gordy's bumps off of Carrie's punches and power moves are awesome. Then you see Carrie really gets up. And nails a nasty looking drop kick right on the button. Where mm-hmm. in fact by by nasty I mean beautiful. And uh I thought the the finish was violent as hell where they freaking pretty much uh whiplash carrying the ropes uh between Michael and, and Gordy and uh they get the pin. I god, I three and a half stars on the on this. Oh, wow. I, thought, I thought it was violent and I thought the <laughs> psychology for the match was spot on. It I can I can watch two guys punch each other all day long if they're fucking good at it, and I thought this was great, and I absolutely loved how violent the I think the finish made it because of how violent it was uh, on a violent match. Uh, what about you, John? Where are you falling on this one, brother? I didn't like the finish. Be, I mean, that's why I guess I didn't care for it. I was I was in and out for other reasons on on this match and it was like chicken. I, I think I was more blown away by the goddamn belt than anything else. Just couldn't believe it, and and then and Kevin's fashion choice and me giggling about it. And but if it's a no DQ match, why are they doing the word the fooling the referee spot? With with Kevin and and Hayes, where you know we're distracting the referee so Hayes can run in and cheat. It's a no fucking DQ match. Why are you doing that? Yeah, and that fair enough. For whatever Almost reason, a, it bothered me. I know it, it. It it what normally that stuff doesn't bother me. Last night watching this, I was like, it's bothering me, and it just bugged me. Um, but otherwise, yeah, guys punching each other, great. But I I, I just. I just wasn't as into it as you guys were, but uh, listening to you guys describe it made me realize I must have been really distracted because this sounds a lot better than I remembered it, and I was distracted at the time. I might go back. No, I'm, ne- I'm never going to go back and check anything. I'll just take your guys' word for it and say it was a good match. <laughs> You'll just go back and watch the belt spot again. The belt. I'll just watch that belt reveal again. And, and, and then at the end of this, though, the crowd... A bunch of the crowd starts chanting, "We want five, we want five. Yeah. And yeah, then what, what a bunch on. of stupid Texicans! What huh? the fuck you is can't that? Get five more minutes five, after a pinfall. Pinfall. There's a, no, and, yeah. and the Von Erics and the Von Erics, they they go into it because yeah, sure, you know, go with the crowd. We want five. No, it's not a draw. It's a pinfall. You stupid yeah. fucking morons. I know, I've never seen that. Uh, that. Crowd go five more minutes out on a pinfall. Ever? What the fuck Ever. was that? You know, yeah, it was weird. <laughs> and then we get a birds promo, which was perfectly fine. There wasn't a lot. It was just a big fired up promo. But the key point that I, that I loved was Michael Hayes talking about Brody. He goes, "I don't understand why Brody would sell out to the Von Erics." I'm like, oh. Because he's associating Bruiser Brody within the fraternity of bad guys. Mm-hmm. There's a fraternity of bad guys. Why would he sell out to these fucking Von Erics? You know, he doesn't understand it. You know that you know that that he's a hero down here, or for or that he would be with these Von Erics because he's supposed to be one of us. He's supposed to be a bad guy like like us. And I love that sort of shit. 
So that that ended this on a great note for me. Yeah, and I, I like the promo. What about you, Kelly? Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Hard sell for the Star Wars card because um, that's coming up in a few days. And yeah, yeah it, it's and they 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 did a great job because I believe um, reunion sells out for the first yeah. time for uh, for a WCCW show. Well, yeah, it was definitely Bundy and uh, uh, Bob. <laughs> Bob. <laughs> right? Yeah, that was that was truly the draw. <laughs> Clearly, I mean Brody. I don't think had been in the territory for a few years. I'm not. Hundred percent sure on like his history. I thought it was the seventies. It might have been the seventies. Wow. Okay, so and he was probably a heel during that run. Yeah, because he was um, feuding with Fritz, probably. So yeah, li- I, so wait, wait. So literally, most of this audience has no idea who this mystery character even is. If he hasn't been I there think since the 70s. Brody is a guy everyone knew. Unless you read yeah, magazines. he was yeah he magazines. I, the, the average wait you mean the, you think those people chatting we give us five more minutes five. know who the fuck Rizzaroni is well he worked Southwest Championship Wrestling a lot he worked Houston constantly okay yeah that's right yeah um and he was uh, larger than like he was a uh, not an Andre but he was he was an attraction yeah he was one so. of those guys I think like I think like Bruiser Brody Abdullah. Those yeah. type of guys have a little more cachet because I think they those were guys who weren't at territories for two or three years at a time. They were in for a program or two, getting out, and they worked a lot of territories. And they have names. Yeah. For those people, no, no, I mean actual names. For the people who don't know who the fuck those people are, you hear Bruiser Brody is coming. What? That, that name grabs you. And Abdullah the Butcher, that grabs you. They've got a name where, and they're doing the promotion here for all these people who don't even maybe know who Bruiser Brody is. They're excited to see him. So, mission accomplished. And by yeah. the 70s, he might have been working world class in the 80s, but I know he was doing, you know, he was in Houston in the 80s and 81 and 82. Uh, he was in Southwest in 81 and 82. Yeah. So he probably, you know, worked some big shows here and there. Yeah, I just class. looked it up. Yeah, he had a run in 81. So his Ooh. last match was August of 81 in Dallas. And he was teaming with the Von Erics at that time. Well, but the people watching on the Christian channel in Israel, they don't know who the fuck yeah. is. is. <laughs> <laughs> they want anyway. to see him. <laughs> I, I definitely want to see him. I thought this was a really strong show, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, if we would have got the Eye of the Tiger thing, that would have made the video awesome. Um, the belt was awesome. And I thought Mr. Ebony was cool as fuck. Yep. Uh, what about you, uh, Kelly? Where are you? What about the show in general? Yeah, we're we're on a pretty good roll now. Um, each week is 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 at least good. We're getting some great matches. Um, hot product. The feuds are all hot. The crowds are hot. The product's hot. The talent is great. Um, they're building up a huge show with the Star Wars card. Everything's just clicking right now. Um, it's like I've said it before, but it's just great to see this all. Because you know the legend, oh, the territory was on fire when it was Von Erickson, Freebird's feud. And now seeing it week after week just build and build is amazing. And it was all true. Everything went from being dead as a stone in 1982 to red hot by not even mid-1983. It's great. Yeah, and they're not even really hot-shotting the promotion either. I mean, no. 
it's it's you know we have the freebird angle on on christmas and they really haven't you know they've done some like some small pieces of business but nothing too dastardly um we have the you know the uh buddy roberts and and uh uh and, and iceman and they they're building to the hair match so they did the uh-huh. one big angle but it's all been just you know but it's all making sense leading into yeah. it uh David and and Jimmy Garvin had that great uh, video out on the on the on the you know where uh, they're arguing and stuff like that. So there's all these little pieces of businesses just clicking, and they're on they're firing on all cylinders. You're right, man. Yeah, they, you, also, well, they also are are totally proving the point. And when I say wins and losses don't matter, I don't mean it in literally. But if you do it right, you know, in, in the way. They are pinning each other left and right and losing yeah. here and losing there. All the top stars are beating each other left and right here, working just fine because the stories are great. The stories are uh-huh. simple and great, and they're going. And so that's what I mean by that. People who obsess over that, like, oh, I can't believe they, they might have pinned them in the middle of that in, the, in this 1983 footage. Like, now, why do you obsess about that? It's the, it's the presentation and the overall story, and we're at a point here where – the Von Erichs can get pinned. The Freebirds can get pinned. Iceman can get pinned. doesn't fucking matter. No one's losing their fucking heat because everything else is being presented in the correct way. And, 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 it's, and it's going back and forth, so it's not... Oh, and it's back but, and forth. That's know. important. It has to be back and forth. It has yeah. to be back. Which, again, people go, I hate this modern back and forth booking. 50-50 booking. 50-50 booking. We're watching 50-50 booking for the main, main part. And it's great. It, it's not the booking of who takes the pinfalls. It's what you're presenting as story. And what yeah, you're and, it, and it's, you know what? It's 50-50 booking until the blow-off. And then blow someone off. wins exactly. the feud. Exactly. Yeah. You can go fifty fifty all night long and the reason until the blow off, and then you need to make sure you do it convincingly. Yeah, and the uh, reason this lasts a year, like we were saying, is because we could do that for a year until we blow this off. That's tremendous. Yeah. Yep, guys. I just want to say I had a great week. Yes, you guys um, have fun, Johnny. Anything you want to plug? You know, I was going to say, hey, everyone needs to see Into the Spider-Verse, but that's like preaching to the choir. So, yeah, everyone, if you haven't seen it, go see it. Kelly? Just follow the show on Twitter at MSG1880. Uh, get my, my follower count up, please. Follow me on Twitter at Titans O Wrestling. Have a great week. Find some wrestling you want to watch. Mania Week is upon us. We have a month away. So, man, gear up. It's that time of the year where the stories are peaking. They're getting hotter. It's time they're building to the big shows from NXT to WrestleMania to Ring of Honor and Madison Square Garden. There's got to be something out there you like. If not, plenty of stuff on the network. Have a great week, folks. My heartaches and troubles just up and gone the moment that you come in view and with your hand in mine dear I could dance on and on and I could waltz across Texas with you waltz across Texas with you 
Texas with you Like a storybook ending I'm lost in your charms And I could waltz across Texas with you 